I want you to get a New Testament, if you will, and turn to the book of Philippians, because we're going to study briefly that wonderful letter uh, to the Philippian church, because it has such a message for us today, and we need to revere the greatness of Christ, of his leadership, of his kingship, and of his being able to help us in the life that we now live. This was a congregation that was planted upon European soil, the first one, in Paul's second journey, and we have him, his writing back to them from prison. It's a congregation that, was, that endeared itself to Paul and supporting, supported him financially and spiritually and encouraging him with spiritual words and messages through Epaphroditus and others, Timothy, who would continually converse with them. And he's writing them because of a number of things. This epistle has four chapters. And we've always thought it's such a wonderful book. We have taken phrases from this epistle, like the first chapter that says, For Christ the for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. We we'll take passages from the second chapter, have this mind in you which is also in Christ Jesus. We've taken passages from the third chapter that said that we ought to set a goal, that we ought to forget things of the past and reach forth to the things that are before. And then we've taken passages from the fourth chapter that says, don't be worrying, but pray. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my God shall supply all of your needs. And we'll place those on our mirrors and on our refrigerators and made <clears throat> resolutions and We've thought about this book of being a wonderful, happy outlook. It had many phrases that motivated people, but yet we have overlooked the the difficulties that they were that were happening to them. This is a congregation that was having a lot of undercurrent, was having a lot of turmoil. It was having a, a lot of pullings in the wrong direction. They were disturbed. I want you to look at that uh, first chapter. The first chapter talks about the, the difficulty that Paul had when he said that there were people that were really... Look at the 
14th verse. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word with fear. Some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, can you see that? You see that difficulty going on? Knowing that I am sent for the defense of the gospel. But he says, what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Now, the main thing he wanted them to get, I rejoice therein, there, therein do I do rejoice. Yea, and we'll rejoice. And we've always thought about it. Well, it's such a joyful book. It's such a wonderful thing. He's, he's talking about rejoicing, and so everything is just great. No, it wasn't either. There's a lot of difficulty there. But he's telling them to rejoice in their difficulty. He's telling them to rejoice when people hated him and worked against him and didn't do the thing they should do. And he said, Christ, 50 over 50 times, Christ the Lord are in the position is named in this book. He's saying the way to get through life and its difficulties is to claim Christ. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. There were some even in that day that might take his life. He said, I might die. But he said, it's all right. It, I have a great thing for me if I do die. But the way to handle it while I'm here in the flesh is just to claim Christ. Now, this is a great message, a great message. Now, I want you to look at the second chapter. The second chapter, he still mentions the thing. Look at the... He says, look at the 12th verse. As ye have always obeyed in my presence, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. They were having to work. They were having to serve God. And it was God. Look at the next verse. It is God who works in you both to do for his to will and to do of his good pleasure. He said, this is God's work. He's doing wonderful things. But look at the next verse. They were fussing and feuding. They were grumbling. They were complaining. That all reminds us of our own world. And he says, the way to do things is to do it without murmurings and disputings. Why? 
Well, then you're harmless and blameless, the sons of God. In a, look at that next verse. We're in a crooked and a perverse nation, and we're supposed to be shining as lights. So there was, the message is, over 50 times your position in Christ, Christ living in you, is the hope of glory. And you know, oftentimes we forget that. Now look at the third chapter. The, church, the third chapter, he said there's a lot of things I could brag about in the fourth verse. But there's a lot of things. He said, The circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, and the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law. Uh, he said, I'm a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Why I could brag about that. Touching the righteousness of the law that he kept blameless. But he said, All those things are past. He said, You've got to beware. Look at that second verse. You've got to beware. There's dogs out there. You've got to beware of evil workers we're surrounded by. You've got to beware of the people who would bind circumcision upon you. The concision is circumcision. Because we are of the circumcision, we worship God in the Spirit. And we rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now, we've read that a lot of times. We said, well, hey, this is just a wonderful book. Just rejoice. Rejoice in what way? Why, when you're persecuted by those Jews and called dogs? You know, Jesus went through the Samaritan territory, and the Canaanite woman came to him and said, Lord, said, would you... Kill my daughter. She said, Well, you're a dog. She said, Yeah, I know it, but you know the dog get the crumbs. He looked around to his disciples and he said, I haven't seen any faith like that in Israel. And he healed her. Now, here is a situation in Philippi that they were having difficulties. The first chapter, yes, people were fussing and feuding, and some of them were great, and some of them were supporting. And the second chapter, they were complaining and complaining, and, and he said the way to do is to rejoice, to claim your rejoicing in Christ and your victory in Christ. And the third chapter, yeah, there's a lot of things going on here while people... The Jews are still calling people dogs that are not Jews. But he said the way to do that is to rejoice in Christ. Look at that third chapter. Now, you know, it's one thing to complain and to murmur and to get discouraged, but there's another play, and there's another position, is to thank God that you have Christ Jesus in whom you can pray and love and worship and ask help and strength and just lean upon him and just love him and let him love you. 
and not have any confidence in the flesh. Look at that third chapter. You know what most of us do? We say, well, if I've got enough money in the bank, if I've got enough stocks and bonds, or don't you bother that. No, you just keep it there. Now, I'm not going to touch that. And we die and leave it. Because we are convinced that the fleshly gives satisfaction. It doesn't. It's our position in Christ. It's our confidence in Christ. It's our love. It's our adoration. It's our relationship with the God who's unseen and who has sent Jesus into the earth and died and paid the price and has redeemed every living person who will claim him into their hearts and into their life and walk by him and face all kinds of difficulties rejoicing because they claim Christ as their Savior. This is the message. This is the message. Why in the 20th verse of that third chapter, he said, you look at that conversation, in the King James Version, it's my con our conversations in heaven. He used that in the first chapter. He said, our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven. And he said, for me to die is gain. I have my citizenship in heaven. Here he said, our citizenship is in heaven from which we look for the Savior, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way we adjust here below. It's because we have our goal set on the other world. We're happy, we're rejoicing in the fact that we are not just tied up in this life alone. Now look at the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter, <clears throat> he comes begging Eodia and Sintica. I just want them to be of the same mind. What's wrong? What's wrong? Why well, he said in that next one, he said, Epaphroditus, we think that your fellow was Epaphroditus. Help those women. And, they're, and other my fellow laborers. Their names are written in the book of life. Now he, he's telling them to be of one mind. That takes effort. It, you just go with the tide and you can blame and fuss and complain and you've been surrounded by people who'd call you names like the third chapter or in the first one who'd strike and fuss and feud and here's two women that have been having trouble and you know he knew all that was happening here in this congregation because he had a loop that he left there he left him there from the time of his second journey until he picked him up. And now he's over here with him in prison writing. And Luke knew exactly the mind of all those people. And he says, you know, here's the way you handle anything that you don't get along with people and you get on your nerves. What do you do? You know, we like to lie to ourselves. We like to deny and say, oh, no, everything's fine. No, everything's not fine. We're living in a world that's wicked. We're living in a world that's filled with sin. We're living in a world that is just contaminated on every hand by evil and by people's thinking. 
And we're living in a world when we get on each other's nerves. And yet the only way we're going to get along is just to be of one mind in Christ. It's to claim that we are one. Like I said last week, the elders, we all united and we said, say, we're one. We're behind each other. We're arm in arm. We're hand in hand. And we ask you to join us. And we're in a fight in this old world for greatness in Christ. And you know that fourth chapter, we've always claimed that fourth chapter as one of the great chapters it is. But you know, it climaxes that thing. That whole message of this book. When he said, I want to tell you, the Lord is near. Look at that fourth verse. Look at that fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always and rejoice. And again I say rejoice. How do you do that? Claim the Lord. Look at that next verse. The Lord is near. He's present. You don't try to hate somebody when you claim the Lord. Mind. You ever have envy and difficulty between personalities when you're both have your hand in the hand of the man of Galilee. No. That's the message. Yodia Sintica, be one mind. Why? The Lord's near. You're a solution to the family problems. Christ is here. He's in our home. He'll give us strength. There'll be no grudges. There'll be no passive behavior like, I'm mad, I'll give you this kind of look. No, 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 no. Not if you're in Christ. Not if Christ is near. That's not his behavior. What's the answer? He said, I'm telling you, don't have that behavior. Have the rejoicing. Because your citizenship is in heaven. And Christ is near. And you can pray. And you can stop worrying. What do you do? Stop worrying. What do you do? Just pour out your heart to God. You know, this is not the only time he said that. Check back to the second chapter. When he was telling them to have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, he said, this is it. Look at that first chapter. If there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, that means tender compassion and mercy and understanding, then how do you do? You just fulfill my joy 
What are you doing? The second verse says you just be of one mind. How can you do that? Because you have you have the same love. You have one card. You have one mind. The third verse, how do you do that? You just don't make a choice of striving, of vainglory. You know what vainglory is? I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, this look, you know, go to certain, certain place, look, that's vainglory. I'm right, you're wrong. I know the answer and you don't. No, Christ is in us. And you know that third verse has the thing that pulls things together. If, if you can ever get this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus, that third verse has, if you esteem somebody better than yourself, that's difficult. That always works. That's what Jesus did. He came from heaven. He had everything. He owned everything. He created everything. He created us. And he counted us, oh sinners, oh rebellious sinners, better than himself. And he paid the price for our sake. And I'll tell you, if we learn to do that, we'll never have any problems. I ask you this week to try that third verse of the second chapter because this is that mind. See, loneliness, let each one not be strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, can you feature, can you feature my way of life and my lifestyle Putting everybody better than myself? Can you feature my not looking to myself but looking to others rather than myself? We're not living in a time like that unless they're a place filled with Christians. Look at that fifth verse. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And he said he was in form of God He counted us better than himself. And he died that we might live. And that goes back to that first chapter. If Christ hadn't have counted us better than himself, we wouldn't have access to him. And over 50 times, the position in Christ is emphasized. And the rejoicing comes as a byproduct. And the peace of mind comes as a byproduct of claiming Christ. Have you claimed him? Let me ask you seriously. Are you playing at religion? Is it just a sort of a tradition that you come uh, because you get somebody off your back? Are you embarrassed not to come sometimes? Or is it because Jesus Christ, who is all-powerful and is our God and is our creator and is our sustainer and is our life-giving 
being the reason that you're here. If so be, may he pour out upon you that strength and that power to continue to honor him because of who he is and not because we have some tradition that we want to keep just because we go to church every once in a while. Jesus is our Lord. Over 50 times, the Apostle Paul pleaded that it was their position in Christ that would straighten up everything that was wrong in their life. And that they could do all things through Christ who strengthens them. And he said in the 19th verse of the 4th chapter, My God shall supply all your needs. Let me tell you, you won't find a person that's all stove up with pressure and depression who has his confidence in Christ. You can confess that. You can confess him. You can put him on in baptism today. The baptistry is ready. The clothing is ready. Your faith is here. You can claim him. You can go out of this place with Christ in your heart. He's alive. If you'll just confess him. He said, I'll not be ashamed of you. I'll confess you before my Father. And it's a confession that lasts until your dying day. Where you come as we stand together and sing.